Just look at the load I'm hauling Hard work, I hit it harder Ain't nothing new for a backwoods farmer Sun up to sundown Backing up traffic all the way to town Camo hat and a farmer's tan Welcome to Fast Line Fast Track, presented by Fast Line Media Group, your innovative consumer resource and marketing partner of choice for the evolving agricultural community. Now, here's your host, Brent Adams. Welcome to Fast Line Fast Track. We're awfully glad you're here. On this, the 16th episode, we'll take you to Ag Media Summit 2019 held in Minneapolis. There, we'll talk with the folks from New Holland about that venerable brand turning 125 years old. Then we'll catch up with the folks from Farmer's Edge, and we'll talk with Patrick Christie from farm management software company Conservus about the importance of data on the farm. Then we'll take you to the legendary Ernest Tubb Record Shop in Nashville, Tennessee for music from rising country music star and a competitor on season 11 of NBC's The Voice, Josh Gallagher. You won't want to miss a moment of it. Let's go. So the first order of business this week, I want to share some really exciting news with you from Ag Media Summit 2019 at the AAEA Ag Communicators Network Awards Ceremony, which was held July 30th in Minneapolis. Fastline Fast Track received the top honors for best podcaster vidcast. I just have to say we're extremely proud and humbled to be recognized among such stellar competition. And I wanted to take a moment to congratulate the others who received recognition in the category. And those were John Deere and DTN, the progressive farmer. They do a, both do a stellar job with with their shows, and it's certainly an honor to be considered in the same category. With that said, I'd like to bring you a couple of interviews from Ag Media Summit with members of the team at New Holland, which is preparing to celebrate its 125th anniversary. First, we'll talk with Luke Zerby, the brand marketing manager for Precision Land Management, about some of the new products that are capturing the attention of the marketplace. And then we'll talk with Christine Clavon, the director of commercial marketing, about the company's rich history and plans for a celebration. Here at Ag Media Summit 2019 with Luke Zerby, who's the brand marketing manager for Precision Land Management for New Holland Agriculture. And Luke, welcome to Fastline Fast Track. Thank you. It's a pleasure to be here with you today. And so many interesting things going on with New Holland these days, uh, a leader in, in hay tools and baling equipment. Uh, you guys have some things that you're stacking up for as we talk here in late July, uh, about a month away from farm progress. Yeah, I mean, we have uh, we do quite a bit of work here and, and continuously try to grow as being a hay and forage leader in the entire industry. Uh, New Holland is really founded on that, and we've very feel very passionate about keeping that strength moving forward so some of the things that we're doing moving forward is last year we had a couple couple new launches out there so we had a combi baler launch was out there uh, hopefully a lot of customers were able to come out and see that at the shows or perhaps go on our uh, north american new holland youtube channel and see that thing in action there so we actually have uh the baler and the wrapper all in one which isn't uh, necessarily a brand new design to the industry but one of the things that's very unique about ours is the fact that it's a cradle system so that uh it's a very expensive unit of course because there's two piece equipment into one but as the baler would actually get you know enough bales on enough hours on it you could actually pull that baler out and replace it with another one so it's actually a huge savings in the long run for the customer there and continue to get that that baling right away and we've kind of followed up with that with a uh, better baling density studies that we've done with uh, some land-grant universities to go out there and improve the benefits of you know that dense bale that the New Holland baler makes. I mean, it's we've talked about for a number of years that New Holland makes one of the densest bales out there on the industry, actually about 20% denser than the other bales out there. 
And really the benefit for that is, you know, you're going to compress it as much as possible, push the oxygen out. So there's uh, less heat in the fermentation process. So it doesn't denature the protein. More protein is digestible. More protein is digestible. The better dairy cows, beef cattle, any type of animals are going to eat that hay is going to do with it. And again, wrapping that hay immediately right after with a unit like the combi unit gives less chance for the oxygen to come back in. So just really making better hay with new hauling equipment. So really focus on that and pushing forward. Again, starting to bring precision farming into that dairy and livestock market as well, which is growing up on a livestock farm uh, and being engaged in precision farming, something I am personally very passionate about. So what have the early returns been like? Our returns have been very good. Every time we've had out there, uh, we've uh, demoed that combi unit out there to customers or showed guys and explained what was going on. It really kind of makes a lot of this stuff click for them. So, I mean, a lot of this is, I mean, you think about hand forage. It's one of the older things that we've done in, as far as uh, farming out there. And certainly of going to, to round bales versus square bales, you know, because of the ease of feeding that out there and as far as working with the ration. You know, it's, there's a lot of knowledge that we've gained over the years. So a lot of this is just kind of explaining the things that we kind of knew but didn't know if we believe or not and put it in black and white for the guys. So it's, it's been very powerful and we've had a lot of guys asking to see a lot more of it. And especially as labor continues to be a growing problem for everyone in the ag industry, you know, we see that uh, further automation and pulling these systems together like this just saves time and energy, allows us to make that better hay and make our customers more successful. So when they start to realize the benefits of it and you see that click and that light bulb come on, what, what's that like for you? Uh, for me, it's great, you know, because some of the hardest skeptics you have to work with is, is family, you know. So my entire family is engaged either in the dairy or the livestock industry. So getting out there and, and showing them and, and making adjustments to the equipment, you know, getting that light bulb to click and getting them to come back is, is very beneficial. The only difficult part about that is when you work with dairy operations, with uh, baleage and things like that, you know, you're at least a month away to allow that to properly ferment to get the true feed value out of it. For beef operations, you know, you might be almost a year out for the guys to see the difference in the hay, you know, so it takes a little bit of time, a little bit of patience, but, you know, just kind of keep emphasizing the benefit and the value there. And when that clicks and they have to, you know, when an older brother has to admit that you might have been right, that's a great feeling. Yeah, yeah. So uh, I would imagine with that also comes some uh, brutal and honest feedback. Yeah. Uh, every once in a while we get some things. Guys wish they had a little bit more or some guys, you know, that have to admit that things are a little bit different. So uh, with everything, uh, you just kind of work through it. And But uh, you come out in the positive, and that's what we're trying to do is make things a little bit better each and every day for our customers. Something else uh, this year, earlier this year, that you, you guys uh, announced were some enhancements to the uh, precision land management uh, uh, connected offerings that you guys have. Uh, explain to the uninitiated out there uh, what's there and uh, uh, how can benefit them? So, uh, so precision land management is New Holland's uh, brand name for anything that's precision farming. And really, you know, one of the things we need to, we're working very hard with New Holland as far as our communications, that message getting out there is, you know, that, that precision farming isn't just about cash crop tractors. You know, we use precision farming across the entire uh, ag industry, and it's one of the fastest growing areas for everyone to use because of so many benefits that it brings to guys. You know, because we, we deal in an industry here where we've seen that our, our input costs continue to go up, but, you know, our, our retail, our sales, and things like that as far as, you know, the cost of grain, uh, dairy prices for milk uh, and beef out there, you know, that hasn't really raised at the same level since, you know, 70s and 80s. So uh, very tight for a lot of farmers out there. And it makes that struggle very real, especially if you want to see that go on to the next generation. So by utilizing some precision farming things, we can actually maximize some of those efficiencies. And so one of the things you said about the uninitiated is, is very quick that I try to bring up with a lot of guys is, you 
talk about precision farming, guys think about the latest and greatest technology. And, and we have that. We've got that model year 20 TA tractor with everything built right into it. You know, factory fit communications. So you've got my PLM Connect for telematics. To share agronomic data, you've got all your machine data. We've got uh, idle guidance with sub-inch accuracy on there. We've got complete section and variable rate control. So if you want to vary the inputs across the field. But, you know, we come back to the whole other end of the spectrum, and we've got aftermarket solutions too. So if you're a dairy and livestock farmer out there and you're just looking to, you know, for nutrient management plans, you need to keep better track of the records where you've spread manure with a box spreader. You know, something very simple. We have a, a monitor you can put on there to give you some guidance. Uh, so one, you can actually see where you've been so that was with an as-applied map, but then also keep record of that as well so you actually see where you're going so you can make better use of all the inputs you have on the farm. You know, so and that's that's a very low cost uh, type input, but can have huge savings for you in the long run. And that's when you look at precision farming, it's those those entry level things. You know, the simplest steps to get started have the quickest and largest paybacks. And then as we get more and more sophisticated, it gets more expensive, and the paybacks might be a little bit smaller. But that's where the margins get so much tighter. Talk to those those large cash crop guys. So one of the things that we've really focused on is that connectivity part of it. Uh, and just uh, with MyPLM Connect, you know, we've launched MyPLM Connect Portal again here uh, with some massive updates to it. So one of it is about uh, some of the fleet and service type things we can do. Mm -hmm. So even for guys that are, you know, the, what we consider the five to nine farmers, they've got a full-time job, but they come home and they still got a farm they're trying to keep going. Mm -hmm. You know, that downtime is absolutely critical. So we can get more support, more service for them, uh, working with the dealerships right locally with their, with their customers, using telematics to share that data to troubleshoot problems, to bring the right parts out or change settings on a piece of machinery. That's all what's so critical and so key. So we're really looking at precision farming as just improving their day-to-day -day practices, you know, to try to make them as successful as possible moving forward. So what kind of tools do you have available for, for people that want to wade into this but might not be there, uh, you know, from a technological standpoint that they don't feel savvy, they don't feel comfortable. How, how do you move them along through the process to, to get them to where they are more adept? So everything else in life, you know, you start a journey, it's one step at a time. So the first thing is to start to look at your operation and you know, what technology do you have now that you're not utilizing? For a lot of guys out there, it's not necessarily even so much as going out and buying a new piece of equipment or buying a new monitor. It's are we using what we have now correctly? So I like to start with having a conversation about what they have, what their goals are, and what they need, and then try to help find them a solution that they can grow with. So it's not all at once, because again, it can be very expensive if you try to do everything all at once. But if we start off with some of the easier systems or, or entry-level systems we have, you know, like a FM750, XN1050 uh, monitors, you know, you can use those just as a light bar guidance. So you just put it on there. It can record where you've been. It can tell you to steer left or right, which, you know, growing up precision farming for me was knowing which tree you're going to drive towards. So it's a huge change just from that alone. And again, looking at some of those simpler tasks, mowing hay, spreading manure. Sometimes it's hard to tell uh, when you're spreading manure out there exactly where you've been. So you start double covering and skipping areas of the field, which you see two weeks later when the grass starts growing. But you want to make sure you get an even covering the whole way across. So that's a very low cost effort that, again, just starts to build in very much. And then you can actually add on to those monitors to add an assisted steering system to it later on. So if you want to come back the following season, the following year after this is already, you know, the savings have paid for this, you can invest that again and get another system. And again, the nice thing about going into guidance as your base part, if the tractor is steering itself or the combine or forage harvester or whatever you have, that means you get to pay more attention to the work you're doing in the field, which is really where the money is made or lost. It's not how straight you drive, it's whether or not the planter is actually planting and the mower is actually mowing the hay. So you really want to be able to focus on that. So again, it's allowing you to put your attention to where your skill set is needed the most. 
that time is money and inputs are money. And uh, I guess guys' ears perk up when, when you can explain the cost benefit there. Absolutely. So you start looking at your, your time savings, which is huge, uh, your fuel savings, your input costs. I mean, uh, input cost has been the biggest driver for precision farming uh, adoption for most people. And if you look at the adoption rate that we're going through, you know, where we're up there, we're probably about 50 to 60% of all people recognize are using precision farming. Probably about 70% of people are using precision farming, just there's about 20, 30% that don't really recognize it yet. Uh, so again, it's as we go that adoption curve, it's, it's part of our everyday business. People with the use of smartphones, this is just getting to be second nature. So it's just a matter of taking the technology we have and using it with the tools we have. And as we upgrade those tools because because of their age or because we have the opportunity because we've had a good year in farming, make sure that we open ourselves up to use that technology moving forward. We put ourselves in the best position possible to be successful. So if anybody listening to this has had their interest peaked, what will that experience be like when, when they go into a dealership to, to find out more about this? It can be very challenging because uh, it, you have to have an understanding of, of what you'd like to try to do. Because, I mean, a dealer in this point, he's going to work with you as a partner, as a mentor, try to help coach you through it. Uh, but you really got to have some ideas of what your goals are. I mean, so, I mean, change for the sake of change is neither good nor bad. So you need to go in there with the mindset uh, that you want to do something. So one of the things I would suggest for people starting to look into this is you can go down the PLM Solutions app, which is available on iTunes or Google Play. It's a free app. You can go ahead and download, and it'll ask you a couple questions to really help you kind of understand like what equipment you have and what you're trying to do and then kind of help lay out what is the best solution for you. So when you go into your dealer and you talk about your equipment, you say, I, you know, I'd like to try to use this technology because I'd like to save more time. I'd like to save my inputs and planting. Or if I got a pool type sprayer, I'd like to have more control with that. Or I've got a self-propelled sprayer. I mean, the more you know about what you'd like to try to do, the better that conversation can be and the faster we can get you to success. So anybody who will be attending uh, the Farm Progress show in August, uh, what, what can they expect to see from New Holland. Uh, one thing they can expect to see is really the culture of New Holland, you know, uh, very, very community oriented, very uh, engaged, you know, across the board. So and one of the things is, you know, we'll have everything there, not only our next gen uh, model year 28 PM with uh, intelligence, with uh, PLM intelligence built right in the most sophisticated and connected tractor out in the market today. Uh, which we're delivering from all year 20, so October start hitting our dealerships. But uh, we also have, you know, our, our commercial side, you know, for our smaller guys here. So our, our Boomer tractors, our Workmaster tractors, series like that, some new Workmaster series tractors, some economy tractors with a lot of bells and whistles to make life very easy for guys. And as well as front and center, you can see our hay and forage line because, you know, as I said again, 125 years of New Holland history here as a hay and forage leader and bringing that precision, that technology along with it. So we've really got kind of something for everyone out there in the market, and we're trying to embrace everyone in our over 900 dealer locations and across North America. How fun is it for you when you get to get out of the office and get into that environment with, uh, you know, a stream of farmers and ranchers who come through and, and want to kick the tires, so to speak? Uh, it's a lot of fun. First of all, anytime you grow up on a farm and you get away from a desk, it's a great day. Uh, but the second part is, you know, you talk to guys that have that same passion of, of agriculture and living with it that you have. So you've done it, you know, they, they've gone through, they'll talk about their uh, 68 small square baler that they still have going. They're 276 small square baler. Uh, when their father bought the first Ford 9N, you know, the Robar 55 that they have, which is 45 years old, and they still use on the farm seven to, time, seven to 10 times a year. So we have this history of, of working with our customers and really growing up with them. So it's very exciting to get to relive a lot of that history and share stories of that back and forth. That's 
Excellent. Well, Luke, we appreciate you taking the time to join us on Fast Line Fast Track, and uh, we'll definitely look you up when we get to uh, uh, the show and uh, show folks what you've got on, on display there. Looking forward to it. Come see us. So you just heard Luke reference the New Holland culture. Now we'd like to bring in Christine Clebon, the Director of Commercial Marketing for New Holland, who can talk more about the brand's rich history and corporate culture as it prepares for its quasquicentennial. Back on Fast Line Fast Track, now I've got Christine Clebone, who's the Director of Commercial Marketing for New Holland Agriculture. And uh, Christine, welcome to Fast Line Fast Track. Thank you. Glad to be here. So exciting times for, for New Holland, uh, 125 years young and uh, great history behind you, but, uh, but you've got a lot of cool things in the offing. We have a lot of cool things going on, and we have a lot of changes uh, that are positively impacting the business. So um, 2020 marks our 125th anniversary, and we're going to be celebrating that at Farm Progress coming up at the end of August. Um, so you'll have to be sure to stop by and see what we have in store. Uh, it might change things up a little bit. Um, so myself and my team was brought on about a year ago to breathe new life into this 125-year-old uh, brand, and that's exactly what we're doing. Um, we're celebrating our customers, our communities, um, and really educating and empowering. So um, as you may have heard, uh, our, our whole uh, approach to the market is more about what tools can people use. Um, you know that's a baler and that's awesome, but what can it do? How does it impact me? And that's how we're changing New Holland. We're growing with you. And we see this a lot in the ag industry with companies now. You're getting kind of a generational shift, and uh, you still are appealing to one audience while trying to cultivate a newer, younger audience that's kind of taken over the reins of the family farm. What kind of inherent challenges uh, do you see within that? I really don't see challenges. I see opportunities. I've seen um, and been able to witness firsthand uh, people interacting not only with our equipment at trade shows, but um, on site, on farms, in dealerships. And it's really interesting approach for me because you see sometimes it's uh, the more senior person in the family educating the younger ones and how to mesh the technology um, with the farming operations that they knew. So uh, I do have to say for New Holland, our technology integration has become really simple. Um, so if you can work a smartphone or, or even a, a flip phone, you can most definitely operate our machinery. So we want to make sure that what we're bringing to you is useful and becomes inherent. So multi-generational operations find it really useful. And it's pretty cool because it seems to bring everybody together. When you're tasked with the uh, mission of, of, as you said, breathing new life or bringing new life into a brand, what, what are some of the things that, that, that you, you start out with? That's a great question. Um, listening. So listening to me is first and foremost. Listen to the stories. Listen to why that brand is special to someone, whether they're 80 or 18 or 8. Um, so we've done a lot of listening. We have gone on site in dealerships and listened there on farm operations and listened there. And we are not going to disturb what makes New Holland special. What we've unearthed, in, in fact, is um, become the core of the brand moving forward, and that's our people. So we have a lot of passion um, Externally, we have a lot of passion internally, and in fact, many of our employees are run their own farm operations themselves. Um, so there's a lot of passion within, and so we're starting to lower the veil and let that shine, and that appeals to everyone. There's a lot of transparency and authenticity in that. Most definitely. So what's the most exciting part of the job for you when you show up each day? That is another great question. Um, the most exciting thing to me is... Um, being able to unleash this passion, but then also 
the ability to get my hands dirty. Um, I like to understand how things work. So if I have to drive a T8 tractor to better understand how to communicate to someone, what makes it special, um, I get to go out in the, the field in New Holland, Pennsylvania and actually take it for, for a quick spin. So can you give us any kind of insight into what might be in store for the folks who come check you out at Farm Progress? Uh, again, we're, we're coming up with um, some really special changes and surprises uh, as we enter our 125th year. And at Farm Progress, you'll get to come celebrate with us. Um, and you'll also get to see how we celebrate uh, what's made us strong over those 125 years and how we're getting even stronger. So um, our hay tools are definitely core to our brand. Um, so you'll have to stay tuned and see what what's that next chapter look like and how um, how you can be a part of it. So for the folks who can't make it to Illinois for Farm Progress, are you going to be at uh, any other shows upcoming that uh, they might be able to check you out? We'll be at many shows, and we're going to post that on our social media. So you can look us up on Facebook. You can look us up on Insta uh, Instagram and Twitter. And we'll even be streaming live uh, for people to join us when they can't physically be there. Well, do check them out. Make sure you, uh, you go to the website. Again, give them the website so they've got that. Newholland.com. Excellent. What kind of things can they find on there? They can find everything from product information to uh, events that we are participating in, upcoming trade shows, um, where you can find us in the latest news. Christine, we sure do appreciate you taking the time to join us on Fast Line Fast Track. Anytime. Thank you. And next up, we want to talk about the increasing role data plays on the farm. Our first guest is Wendy Elias Gagnon, the Communications and Digital Engagement Manager from Winnipeg-based Farmer's Edge, which has seen tremendous growth in the United States over the past few years. Farmer's Edge uses field-centric data, daily satellite imagery, easy-to-use software, predictive modeling, digital agronomy, and advanced analytics to help producers make more informed decisions that not only save the environment, but their bottom line as well. Back on Fast Line Fast Track, Minneapolis, Minnesota at the 2019 Ag Media Summit. And I have a real treat here. Get to spend a little bit of time with Wendy Elias Gagnon, who is the communications manager for Farmer's Edge. Now, if you follow the podcast at all, you'll know that we had a chance to catch up with Farmer's Edge down at Commodity Classic in Orlando back in February. But a lot has happened with Farmer's Edge since then. And Wendy, first of all, thank you so much for taking the time to join us on Fast Line Fast Track. Yeah, thanks for having me. So uh, we caught up with your folks at uh, Commodity Classic. A, a lot of cool stuff going on there. But uh, you guys have just had a blazing year here. And uh, uh, we're, we're just getting into August and uh, uh, a lot of cool stuff. Tell us uh, what's happened since the last time we caught up with you. Yeah, a lot of stuff. Um, two of the things that I would like to highlight is that we launched our in-cab tool to our app. So that's going to be a great tool for farmers to use this harvest to keep uh, manage their their fleets. And just last week, actually, we launched, um, our, we introduced the CanPlug X to our suite of hardware, and that's designed for um, farmers with larger operations, retailers, other partners, and that is to help capture data from grain carts, delivery, service trucks, construction equipment, even irrigation systems. So there will be more information, more details coming out about that in the next few months. So if, if I'm a listener listening to this and uh, I have yet to take that leap into, uh, into some of these technologies, explain to our listeners just how intuitive it is to, to use the tools that you have. Mm -hmm. Well, first and foremost, I do want to point out we do have the most integrated platform available. So it is a great place uh, to start with us because we integrate everything that, uh, you know, other companies are doing into one platform. Uh, we are, you know, have... A, 
an agronomy-based um, suite of tools, and that's really important because we do know, we do recognize that growers are looking for that agronomy side of things as well. Um, we also have very progressive digital tools that are driven by machine learning, artificial intelligence, and all of that, and we do have that boots-on-the-ground support that is there to help our growers um, use these tools and maintain, professionally install our equipment. Now, you're a company based out of Canada, but you've got a, a huge and rapidly growing presence in the United States. That's right. Yes, we do. If you could just talk a bit about the uh, customer service that you that you provide. You, you know, I'm sure people have questions that, that come up now and then. Um, what, what does that look like for you? Yeah, well, we uh, set up hubs wherever we need to when we have a presence of growers. We will follow that with our boots on the ground support. We don't want growers frustrated over, you know, trying to talk to a bot online or trying to get through to a phone number where nobody ever reaches uh, anybody. So we do have that boots on the ground support that is very crucial um, side of our business. So if folks want to check this technology out for themselves, where can they go? Uh, well, you can find us at all the trade shows we'll be at uh, with our partners. Um, and you can also always look at our website. We have lots of information on there, um, farmersedgeusa.com or farmersedge.ca. We do have some case studies about the return of investment. Everyone's been asking about that here at uh, Ag Media Summit. So we do have some of that information up on the website as well as all our news, all our social media channels. Just look up Farmer's Edge. Yeah, well, you bring up a good point. What are some of the common questions when you come to events like this that you're asked? Well, I have the satellite at the booth, so everybody is attracted to that. Everyone comes over and asks about the satellite imagery. Uh, so I explain that it's, you know, taken daily. We, our team processes that into a unique series of maps, and I've showed some demonstrations about some of the maps that we have. Uh, one of the most exciting ones we launched last year that growers are using in season this year are the crop health maps and notifications. So that's uh, a huge time saver, uh, making growers help, helping them make better informed decisions and doing things more efficiently on their operations. Excellent. Well, Wendy, we sure do appreciate you taking the time to join us here on Fast Line Fast Track and uh, hope to catch up with you guys down the road and uh, hear about more of these new developments. Great. Thanks for having me. And now we want to bring in Patrick Christie, who's the founder, chairman, and CEO of Minneapolis-based Conservice, which makes cloud-based crop management software that helps growers optimize seed investments, cut input costs, achieve a higher yield, and protect the ground they farm on. Now I'm back on Fast Line Fast Track. And I'm with Patrick Christie, who is the founder and uh, is uh, in charge of commercial operations for uh, Conservus, uh, based here in Minneapolis, Minnesota. We're at Ag Media Summit 2019. And Patrick, welcome to Fast Line Fast Track. Well, Brent, it's a real pleasure to be here. So uh, Conservus, for, for folks that aren't familiar, was uh, founded in 2009, and uh, you guys have some really innovative tools that help farmers understand where they're making money on their fields and where they're not making money. You know, it was, uh, it was really great. In 2009, we had a handful of family farms come to us, and we're technology folks, and, and asked us to help them build a business system to manage all parts of their farm. And so for the last 10 years, we've been building out every part of the farm enterprise from financial planning to inventories all the way through harvest and as you know you know it's one thing to build technology it's another thing to make sure it works on the farm and so you really have to take the time to understand what farmers want and need and then build it in a way where they're helping you build it and that's what we've done we've partnered with our farmers we've built a pretty comprehensive system integrates with John Deere, Climate Corp, accounting systems, and at every point we try to make it easier for the farmers so they spend less time 
you know, putting data in, if you will. Think of the old days, putting data in, because the future is getting information out, and that's what we've been doing. So pull back the curtain for me a little bit. Tell me about uh, when, when you guys started putting this together and this whole journey along the way, how have you taken input from the farmers and really investigated what those needs are to make sure that you're giving them exactly what it is that they want? Great question. It, 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 it takes a lot of thought. So no different than when you build a new house, you go to an architect, you know, you, you, you have to sit side by side and really make sure when, when someone's asking for a room that, that you're properly hearing what they want. And so because of the farm cycle being annual, uh, you know, at harvest time, we only get to try out so many new things in harvest every year. And so the 10 years we've been at it is part of what's made our system so thoughtfully refined for the farmer because we might build something and it's not quite right. But then we, we are at the ready to, to, to say, okay, what, do we, what isn't right? Let's fix that, fix that refine it. And, and the things that are right, let's make that better. And so it, it, it's, really, um, um, it's really just being intentional. You have to take the time. So which leads me into 2019. What, what have you guys rolled out recently that uh, uh, is starting to turn some heads here? Well, you know, it's, it, it's really great to see. We, we've been able to integrate a lot of the machine data coming into our system for the farmer. And what we're doing now is something called zone economics, where we're able to take the costing of every activity on a field and give you an image of cost. So you can now start to see, based on yield, where did I make good decisions or where did I make profitable decisions versus costly decisions? And it's fascinating because we're seeing, you know, what looks like a, a very green yield map, but then you start to show the costing and different varieties mean this part of the field you actually lost money on versus the other part of the field. And building that knowledge up so that you can start to, you know, really be efficient as a farmer, we think it's, it's critical, especially in low margin environments, which, you know, we're going to be in for a while. And anybody who listens to this show probably thinks I'm a broken record because we talk all the time about just the importance of, of trying to maintain those input costs, keep them low, and be smart about how you you know apply fertilizer, making sure you're putting it in the right places, making sure you're putting your seed in the right places, making sure you're irrigating in the right places, not not wasting. And you guys really get to the heart of that and and show real cost savings, real analysis there. What what do farmers, what, when you unleash this technology to them and they see it for the first time, what, what is their reaction? You know, every farmer is different, but I would say two things. Because even though we're a technology company, we're really a service company powered by technology. So we make sure that when we go to a farm, we train their folks. We're at their side every day. We have a team of people that we make sure the data is good. So the first thing I think is this idea of change of doing something digital, you know, can I do it? I mean, for a lot of the farmers, can I do it? And to know that they have someone like us that's really dedicated to being at their side is a big deal. And then the second thing is, there's this moment where they realize the information that they kind of, you know, had an idea about, or they would get, you know, weeks or months after, when they start to get it in real time, it, it, it all, they start to see the power of having information as an advantage. And I think it's those two together. You have to solve a problem that matters. And there's frankly a lot of technology that is solving a lot of problems that maybe doesn't matter. 
and it has to be something that a farmer can can do. They have to they have to feel like this is very in their hands, easy to do, and is delivering uh, the kind of depth that they want. And then three, it's are you you know are you a kind of company that I want to work with? And the fact that we make it a people-based company, I think is is where our farmers go from interested, hopeful, maybe even skeptical to loyal advocates and if anything they push on us to to grow as fast as, as we can and we interview a lot of people who have new products in this tech space and one of the first questions i always ask is is it intuitive and what have you guys done uh, to make sure that, that the interface that you guys use is absolutely intuitive for, for the users so uh, we think farming is a manufacturing practice so you know this, there's a there's a part of the farm that happens over time so we built the system to follow that cycle. And so when you go into the system, it's very natural in the way that things flow. And then secondarily, you know, one way to really make it hard for technology is to like give you every, you ever open up an Excel sheet and you've got like 50 buttons on the top of that Excel sheet? How many do you use? Yeah, two. Right? So let's make it so that if you're only using two, let's zoom it down so you only get two. So a lot of it is just making sure you're delivering. So a, a worker in the field might have a two-button spreadsheet. Somebody who's in the back office that wants to know that every load got paid for might have a 10-button spreadsheet. But it's, it's a system that's building that for them. That, that's what we've done. So you are here at the Ag Media Summit in Minneapolis, uh, hanging out with the folks from Bear. You have a, a relationship with them. Talk about how that came to be and what does that look like for Conservice? Great question. So uh, 2016, we started to work closely with the climate folks. Uh, we found, again, our customer is the farmer. The farmer was working with climate, and they were asking us, how can you take this information that climate's collecting and put it into your system so that we can see everything in one place. And we were fortunate that climate saw what we were doing as a value to not only the growers, but because we focus on the costing and profits of the farm and climate doesn't, we give their data a different resolution for the farmer. And it's what farmers want. And so we built an integration to climate. And I think we're one of the only there could be others, but I think we're the only one that's actually getting data out of climate. Most of the data goes into climate. And it allows us to take John Deere data, climate data, and put it into the farmer's business system and automatically deduct inventory and automatically see cost of production. And so what's been beautiful with Bayer Climate is they want their farmers to be hugely successful. And so the fact that we're integrated, they're promoting that because they think, in, again, in this low-margin economy that we're in, Every advantage a farmer gets is good for everybody. So where do you see all this going long term? Oh, I think the entire food and ag value chain is going to start to digitize, which means new business models. Farmers are, we're already seeing, you know, outcome-based pricing with input companies where they're sharing in the ups and downs with the farmer. Uh, I think we're going to see food companies and CPG companies starting to go more and more direct to the farm. And so as data becomes trusted across, well, first of all, I think the farmer sits in the convergence of everything. Once the farm is digitized, the farmer is going to have an opportunity to do something with that. And I think everybody around the farm is going to be looking for those that want to do something new, where there's a new value proposition, there's new markets, new business models. I think 10 years from today, we're going to see a lot of change in the business of farming, although it's still sun, 
water, soil, right? At the end of the day, it's still farming. Yeah, yeah. So as your baby here, what, what excites you the most when you show up to work every day? What's the most fulfilling? Well, you know, as I was telling you earlier, I, I, you know, I, I'd spent a better part of my career in high tech and then in the military helping the Navy build their, their intranet. Um, and, uh, you know, it's going to sound a little goofy, but the thing I love about what we do every day is that our farmers genuinely appreciate what we're doing. And I feel like I have not only great customers, but a lot of great friends. And I feel like we're doing something really meaningful that's going to help all farmers around the world and, and hopefully everybody that, that depends on farmers. So if people want to learn more about Conservus, where can they go? Uh, website's the easiest place, www.conservus, C-O-N-S-E-R-V-I-S dot A-G dot ag. Um, and then we have our team in the field. So call us up. More than likely, we have somebody in your neighborhood that would love to show you what we're doing and see if there's a fit. And there's not always a fit. Make sure you go check those guys out, conservice.ag. And Pat Christie, uh, we appreciate you taking the time to join us and and break down this really fascinating technology. Uh, It's my pleasure and, and love to help any way I can. And now we take you to the legendary Ernest Tubb Record Shop, 417 Broadway in downtown Nashville, Tennessee, Music City, USA, where we catch up with Josh Gallagher. You might remember him as a member of Team Adam on season 11 of NBC's The Voice. He recently released a new EP and is beginning to make a big impact on the country music industry. After we chat with Josh, he'll share a couple great new songs from that EP. Josh Gallagher. Josh, welcome to Fast Line Fast Track. What's up, buddy? How are you? Man, I'm doing great. So, uh... Uh, you've had a wild ride here lately. Yeah, it's uh, it's been pretty, pretty crazy, yeah. pretty hectic. Yeah, uh-huh. which is good though. Not nothing, nothing bad. You know, busy's good. So, how does a guy from Pennsylvania get hooked on country music? A lot of people don't know that uh, PA or Pennsylvania to uh-huh. everybody else uh, is. is super country. In bet- like there's Pittsburgh and Philly, and in between there, there's Nothing. So, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, so I uh, I grew up on it. I was raised with it. My mom and dad listened to country music, uh, you know, as far as I as long as I can remember, you know, pretty much. And uh, I went through my phases, my hard punk rock kind of grungy phases and stuff like that. But always, you know, came back to land on country. So that's kind of where it started from, really. Mm-hmm. So, do you come from a musical family, or where did where did this come from? Uh, no, I don't. Short answer. Um, my dad got me my first guitar whenever I was 10. I don't, uh, I don't quite remember how, or, or I just, I just showed interest in it one day, I guess. I just said, it, I want to learn how to play guitars. Probably my brother used to play in a band and, and some punk bands and stuff, and he played bass, and I would always sneak in his room and steal his bass and play it. So that's, I mean, I was young. I might have been maybe eight or nine or something like that. But, uh, so that's probably where it started from. Nobody else in my family is is uh is really musical um my dad won't tell you this but he can he can sing he can carry a tune pretty <laughs> pretty yeah. well he sings he sings a lot in the uh in the car or truck when he's driving and stuff like that so uh maybe maybe that's where i get the voice i don't know um i taught myself how to play so um i i don't know i guess it just came organically yeah. so but that's a special thing because my parents bought me a guitar and the strings got broken and it got thrown aside <laughs> but but for somebody to buy you a guitar and then you to take it and really woodshed and actually get serious enough about it to learn it and be as good as you become that's a real talent oh man i appreciate it it's uh 
it's definitely been tough. You know, teaching yourself how to play any instrument isn't ever the easiest thing in the world. Um, and I've quit so many times. I can't even tell you how many times that I've quit. Uh, uh-huh. But I've always, I've always came back and picked up the guitar and, and, uh, and played. You know, it was my, uh, it was my outlet when I was, you know, having a bad day or whenever I was mad. I would go up in my room and just turn everything up to. 11 and, and yeah. go, you know, and, and I would come out a half hour later and I'd be like, ah, okay, I feel better. You know, it's, it's just kind of how it always was. And, uh, you know, I played baseball growing up and football and, 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 and a couple of different sports and stuff like that. And I actually went to, I went to college to play baseball and, um, all the while still playing while I never played out really any shows I did when I was younger in those younger bands, but I never really played out or anything like that, but I always I always played around the uh, around the house and around my apartment and stuff like that. So I always had music. I just never really, at that time, thought that it you know might could be a career. Yeah. yeah. So we had T. Grant Brown on the program a few weeks ago, yeah, and, yeah. and T. played baseball. Started out at uh, University of Georgia, and there was one day he was telling the story about having to come to that crossroads where you made that decision about either uh, pursuing a career in baseball or uh, taking on a career in music. And I imagine that, uh, that you found yourself at that same crossroads. Oh, absolutely. I definitely did. Um, I, I wasn't the best in school. I never really was. Um, <laughs> I was. I was big into sports. That's what I wanted to do. And it came a point where um, you kind of need to go to class to actually play <laughs> baseball in college. <laughs> so... Um, uh, so it really, I came to that crossroads and, uh, I had to, I kind of had to pick what I wanted to do. And I still, at that point, when I came to that crossroads, I didn't know that I was still going to be playing music. I, I moved back in with my parents and then started playing, uh, some smaller bars and, and clubs around my hometown. Mm-hmm. And, uh, then the crowds just kept getting bigger and bigger and bigger. And I did that for about two years. And, and then in, uh, 2014, uh, I moved down here brought my wife down with me my then girlfriend we got married it'll be three years this year so um so yeah it kind of it kind of it kind of really came out of nowhere to be 100 percent honest with you i never really thought about about it as an actual career option uh-huh. yeah it's pretty cool though i definitely am lucky yeah so uh, <laughs> as you were developing yourself as an artist who were you really paying close attention to for songwriting for stage presence for just the total package well, uh, so I'm a big, I'm a, I'm a huge Eric Church fan, and uh, I always have been from day one, and uh, I love Jason Aldean, too. I love, so probably those two, to be honest with you, as far as those two uh, categories that you kind of just asked me about. Uh, Eric Church's songwriting and his capability to spit out a song um, that no one's ever heard of or even thought about writing in that sort of way is incredible, and... Um, you know there there are many many other good songwriters out there, and but he I just I just you know really flock to what he does, and yeah. uh, I was actually listening to his new album on the way here, yeah, <laughs> this afternoon, Great album. and uh, yeah it's it's absolutely incredible. But um, but uh, Jason Aldean's stage performance is uh, especially when I was younger, like whenever he was just starting out, coming up, and how big his shows were for a country concert, it was just incredible you know he had this rock mentality kind of side to him but he was wearing a cowboy hat and Mm -hmm. cowboy boots and just rocking the stage every night he played so I really gravitated towards that too so um probably I would say probably those two to be honest Uh yeah so how did the opportunity to get on the voice 
come about? And and once you got there, how did you take it and run with it? That was um, it was kind of right place, right time to be a hundred percent honest with you. So I was playing at the the row in Midtown on Lyle Ave, and uh, it was a little. It was Thursday. It was acoustic, so I was by myself, and I think I was playing from like ten to midnight. And <clears throat> the guy who books it, Mike Peck, he has uh, I didn't know this at the time. Obviously now I do, but he has connections with uh, the voice and idol and stuff like that. And right in the middle of my set, he asked me if I wanted to audition, and I was like, "Yeah, sure." You know, it wasn't like a, it wasn't like a, like I was trying, like I wanted to. You know, I've done that before, so I did. I auditioned for the voice twice before I did the, the open call, the cattle call kind mm-hmm. of thing, and and uh, they turned me down both times. But then this third time, it was just right place, right time. So I said, "Yeah, sure." He's like, "Well, what song are you gonna play next?" I was like, "I don't know." He's like, "Well." So I played whatever song or two I did, and he sent he sent videos to his connection uh, at the Voice, and they got back to him about twenty minutes later and said that they wanted me in Atlanta the next week for a, a private audition. So that's that's kind of how that started, and then come to find out after my private audition that I was auditioning for season twelve. Mm-hmm. Didn't know that they kept me, and they wanted to bump me up to season eleven. And I was like, yeah, I'm down. Let's go. They said, you'll go straight to the blind auditions. And you don't have to, you know. So I got very, very lucky. Right place, right time. And they were like, I was like, all right, awesome. When do I leave? They're like, you leave tomorrow. Wow. (laughs) So I drove down to Atlanta four hours for this audition. And they were like, you leave for L.A. tomorrow if you decide to do this. So I had to drive back four hours here to Nashville, pack for like a month, do like three months of paperwork I had to sign and tell my wife that I wasn't going to see her for a month and it was all for a great cause but it was just kind of it was just kind of weird how that happened you know the I, we joke in my family about the the Gallagher luck yeah if it weren't for bad luck we wouldn't have any at all <laughs> but that was definitely a, a good luck I uh, might be a situation. Gallagher I'll check into that maybe it might be maybe <laughs> so uh was it a good thing that you didn't have time to think about that that you were able to just hey, yeah I think it go. definitely was because uh I mean, I had some time, but it, like, there was so much stuff running through my head on that drive back. Like, I just had some. I wanted to talk to my wife first and like get her opinion on it because I knew I knew she'd be supportive. But it was good that it happened that fast because I might not have done it. Yeah. If I would have waited, or if it would have been a lo- longer period of time, because I got back home and after everything was said and done, I I packed all my clothes, I got all the paperwork signed and sent in. Everything was good. I sat down and I was able to breathe for a couple of minutes and I was like, I said to her, I, I, I'll never forget it. I was like, I don't think I can do this, mm-hmm. you know, because it's everything happened so fast. Her and I at that point have, haven't been away from each other for more than, you know, a few days. So that was a very new thing for me. And and uh, she looked at me and she said, if you don't do this, you're going to regret it for the rest of your life. And so I credit her a lot with convincing me to go because I had everything done. Everything was packed. Mm-hmm. Good to go. I was just like it sat down and it just poof, it just hit me. Yeah. And I was like, I don't know if I can do this. She was like, well, you better. <laughs> <laughs> so you get some amazing coaching from Adam Levine. And you also got some tutelage from Blake Shelton as well. I did. Yeah. What did that advice and that mentorship mean to your career? And what did you derive from that? You know, it, it 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 means a lot, and 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 you know, it meant a lot. It still does. Uh, it's it's incredible to know that I got to work with such amazingly talented people 
like those two and and Alicia Keys and Miley Cyrus as well. All the coaches were com- they were just awesome, just down to earth, normal people, whatever normal is, you know. Yeah. But um, the advice I was given was just is priceless, you know, especially coming from you know, cutting your teeth and playing for tips down here on Broadway to overnight just kind of being thrown into this level of, you know, talent, you know? Yeah. And uh, it, it was uh, it was just priceless. I'll, I'll, I'll walk away with, with, uh, with a lot of knowledge from them uh-huh. to use from here on out, for sure. It, um, it was a good time. They were really, really good to me. I will say that. So how have you taken what you learned there and the exposure that you've gotten to take your career to the next level now? It just, you kind of, you know, people can give you as much advice as possible, kind of how they did it or what they can suggest, but you kind of got to take it and, and find your own way because there's no Nashville how-to. There's no handbook. Yeah. There's no handbook that says, well, to do this, you got to do this, and then to get to there, you got to get to here. So I just kind of took what they told me and the advice and the coaching that they gave me and applied it to uh, applied to my my songwriting got better after I came back from the show. My my stage presence and performance got better. My my vocals, my actual singing in general, my range was bigger. I mean, everything just kind of seemed to you know help help round me out. Now I'm not perfect, and I don't ever claim to be perfect. There's always room for improvement. But as far as where I'm at right now, I can definitely credit it to my experience on the show and, and dealing, working with uh, Adam and, and Blake. And that's just, that's just something that doesn't happen very often. So sure. super grateful. So what's next for you? Well, uh, I just put out a new EP and uh, we've just been promoting that and, uh, and trying to get people, people aware of it and people to listen to it and stream it, download it on Spotify and iTunes and stuff like that. We have hard copies. We sell at our shows and, uh, right now, we're prepping to uh, start promoting for the first single off of that record, and uh, and uh, yeah, man, we just been playing and, and and going on the road and here in town, just kind of promoting the record, and we got a bunch of new stuff coming out this year. We originally were going to put out a full twelve song record, and that was me getting excited that I had new music, and I was like, oh, here's new music, <laughs> and. So then I had to kind of take a step back and like actually plan it out. And we split up the two records. So we're going to have this first EP and then we're going to have another EP released at the end of the year and then have singles all throughout you know, the nice. rest of the year in between those two. So the fans will get, uh, the fans will get brand new music uh, all year long instead of everything all at once. So that's kind of... That's kind of where we're at right now. And uh, we want our listeners to know that we've added some of those songs to the Fast Line Fast Track uh, Spotify playlist. Oh, cool. So if you go to that library, make sure you get that into your library and check that out. So uh, uh, we've got quite a few of his songs on there, so so check that out. And make sure you go to jgmusic.net and purchase the EP, or you can find it on iTunes, Spotify, Tidal, Amazon Music, and Pandora. So, yeah, go listen to it on Spotify, but make sure you buy it so this guy can eat, you know, <laughs> keep, keep, yeah. keep things going. And also check check out uh, uh, his website to make sure that uh, you, you keep on top of everything else he's got going on because you're a busy man these days. Yeah, kind of a little bit busy. Uh, like I said uh, when we started this, a bit busy's good, though. I mean, yeah. uh, I kind of sometimes want to rip my hair out, but, yeah, that's part of the business. So. Yeah, most <laughs> definitely, most yeah. definitely. Well, Josh, we sure appreciate you taking the time to join us on Fast Line Fast Track. Yeah, and, man, uh, thank you for having me. I appreciate uh, it. I'm going to uh, uh, step aside and let you get set up and, and play some of your new music for us. All right, man, sounds good. All right. 
So this will be the uh, this will be the first single off of uh, off of my new EP. Uh, I wrote this I wrote this about my uh, my wife and our relationship. I wrote this song for her, and uh, it's called "Look at Me Now." Same double whiskey, same smoke-filled saloon Same single fool, same old corner stool That June night would be different, but I never knew Till that different girl walked in with hazel eyes and yellow shoes Look at me now Thinking about 30 year payments on a piece of ground Three beds, two baths, and a wraparound Funny how I traded hell raising for Saturdays on the couch And Sundays in a tucked in button down yeah, love walked up when I wasn't even looking And I bought her around Look at me now This thing called love really is a crazy thing It'll change all your flying solo selfish ways and before you know your price in a priceless ring And praying she says yes the way she did with that first drink Look at me now Thinking about 30 year payments on a piece of ground Three beds, two baths, and a wraparound A funny hey Saturdays on the couch and Sundays in a tucked in button down Yeah, love walked up when I wasn't even looking and I bought her around Look at me now Look at me now I'm thinking about 30 year payments on a piece of ground Three beds, two baths, and a wraparound Funny how I traded hell raising for Saturdays on the couch And Sundays in a tucked in button down yeah, love walked up when I wasn't even looking And I bought her around Look at me now Look at me now All righty, man, thank you. Man, I got a little uh, a little bug in my throat halfway through that bad boy. 
So uh, this this next song here, uh, or we half step on this Taylor, right? Yeah. Okay. So this uh, this next song here will be our uh, it'll be our summer single uh, this year. And uh, if there's anything <laughs> that you guys know about me, if you've seen me or hung out uh, with me, there's this little thing I like to do called uh, a drinking beer. And I like to drink beer. So I decided to write a song about it. Uh, you guys will catch on to it. But this will be our summer single. Uh, the song's called I Drink Beer. Well, the neon flickers and the jukebox skips with the dancers spinning in time. Drunk girls pull on the robot bull, but the bull don't bat an eye. Bus boy stacks the ashtrays. The gamblers cuss the last play. And I drank beer, beer, ice cold beer. When the world gets shitty, I'll be sitting right here. Damn sure cheaper than a therapist's couch. A belly to the bar just drowning it out with beer, beer, the working man's wine. Solving all our problems since the start of time It works like magic Watch them all disappear I drank beer It don't take much This neighborhood pub's got all I'll ever need but Where the locals have a couple after working a double Cause they keep them bottles cheap if you ever find me missing, I'm probably just sipping right with them. Cause I drink beer, beer, ice cold beer. When the world gets shitty, I'll be sitting right here. Damn sure cheaper than a therapist's couch. Belly to the bar just drowning it out with beer, beer, the working man's wine. Solving our problems since the start of time It works like magic Watch them all disappear I drank beer On the good days, bad days, sun or rain Only takes two or three down the chute Domestic, long neck, ice cold, 5% All it takes to get me through Cold beer when the world gets shitty I'll be sitting right here Damn sure cheaper than a therapist's couch Belly to the bar just to drowning it out With beer, beer, the working man's wine Solving our problems since the start of time It works like magic, watch them all disappear Now watch me work my magic and make them all disappear Drain beer. Ooh, I drink beer. All righty. Well, thank you, man. I appreciate it. Heck yeah. I'm gonna do. Uh, I'm gonna do one more for you guys. I uh. I released a single last February called How About You, and uh, we decided that we're going to put it on this new EP. And uh, 
If you guys have heard it, I appreciate it. Thank you so much. If you haven't heard it, make sure you definitely go check it out. But if you know it, when you're listening to this, you can sing along. Or you guys can sing along if you know it out there. Two seconds. No, I'm good. All right, here we go. This song's called How About You. Three sheets on whiskey and quarter jukebox spin. Spending all my money in this dive I've been living in. Hey, boss, last call. Before we turn on the lights, another rounder, are you doing all right? No, I ain't doing all right. I'm going crazy. Want to throw this glass through the wall. I can't help thinking who she's with. Is it all my fault? I'm a wreck. I'm a mascot. you six weeks since we gave in and caught it off yeah moving on shouldn't take this long i know i said we would still be friends but to hell with it what i really meant is i'm going my phone somewhere about 3 a.m. asking how I've been I'm going crazy I wanna throw this glass through the wall I can't help thinking who she's with is it all my fault I'm a Thank you guys so much.
And that was the powerful country music sounds of Josh Gallagher. Make sure you go check out his music, and we certainly want to thank him for joining us at the Ernest Tubb Record Shop. And don't forget, harvest season will be here before you know it. If you're in the market for equipment, make sure you make your first stop, FastLine.com. Check out the new look price comparison tool with the Iron Average, powered by Iron Solutions. Also, be sure to follow FastLine Fast Track on Facebook, YouTube, Twitter, Instagram, LinkedIn, and Pinterest, and add our Spotify playlist to your library to hear music from our past, current, and upcoming guests. Be sure to come back next time for another episode of Fast Line Fast Track, where we talk to more of the industry newsmakers and hear great country music from the Ernest Tubb Record Shop. And don't forget, bring along a friend. You've been listening to Fast Line Fast Track, presented by Fast Line Media Group. To learn more about Fast Line's customer-focused marketing solutions, visit FastLineMediaGroup.com and check out our brand websites, FastLine.com, BigAg.com, and Pink tractor.com if you have topic suggestions for future podcasts drop us a line at brent.adams at fastline.com something like that